0: Amen. You can be seated. Good to see you here tonight. Some wonderful songs. Amen. Our sins are many, but His, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord for that. Praise God. Just want to thank the Lord for a wonderful day, wonderful week last week, the Vacation Bible School and the, uh, the day that we had kind of finalizing everything on Sunday. It was a wonderful day. Wonderful fellowship and the food, and just the kids did so uh, wonderfully. I think it was all very honoring to the Lord and very thankful for the, for his blessings upon it and thankful for how hard so many people worked uh, to to do it and to put it on, and God God honored that. We are going to continue studying our our uh, study on the life of Elijah. We're looking at the life of Elijah the prophet, and he has always had a special place to me his life and his ministry has stood out to me just the boldness of it and just the the conviction to stand and face whatever uh, opposition came his way and I want you to turn with me we've we've studied maybe two or three weeks we're going to take our time going through primarily in the book of first kings is where Elijah is talked about first kings chapter 17 and 18 16, 17, and 18, but I want you to look at uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. 1 Kings 17, 1, we've read this scripture several times. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, remember Ahab is the king at this time, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word and so this is really uh, where we see Elijah kind of step onto the scene, and when he does he 's coming on with a with a bang when he does he 's coming in uh, on the scene, kind of from the shadows, and he 's just stepping onto the scene and he 's facing the king he 's talking to the king he 's proclaiming what 's going to happen. Israel had sinned. Israel was in horrible sin in a backslidden state. Jehovah was to be their God. God had made a covenant with them and with their father Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And by this time, the people had totally sold out to the worship of Baal and Ashtar- Ashtarte, and, and there were prophets, 850 sanctu- uh, sanctioned prophets of Baal and the groves in Israel. It was the official religion of Israel at the time. Ahab's wife Jezebel uh, was a follower of Baal and a worshiper of Baal. They set up altars to Baal all throughout the the kingdom of Israel. Now this is God's kingdom. This is his people. This is the promised land that God gave to Israel. And the people in a spiritual sense are committing adultery and, and following after these false gods of the other nations around them and they not only do they put uh the king and queen put altars to baal they they set up a temple to astarte which was one of these baal gods they set up a temple in one of the the cities of israel and on top of that they took the true prophets there was a school of the prophets of godly men that were following off after the lord and they had them all killed they murdered these godly priests and and men of god and there was a man named Obadiah who was faithful to the Lord. And he managed somehow to, to uh, secretly hide 100 of these prophets in two groups of 50 in different caves. And he fed them through the famine, through the drought that was, was coming. And uh, so he able to spare 100, but it was horrible. It would have been like the dark, spiritually the darkest moment you could think of. You know, we look at our country and we say, it's pretty dark right now, and it is. Um, but for, for Israel, this was a very dark moment, and we've talked about it over the last two weeks. You can't, you can't leave God out of the picture, though, and I think so oftentimes we do that. God has his man. God has his plan. God is still in control. It looks out of control. His, his prophets and priests have been killed. Uh, there's altars to these other gods. There's a temple to the other gods. The king and queen are sanctioning this false pagan idolatry as the law of the land and greatly persecuting true worship of Jehovah. He said it couldn't get any darker than this. And maybe it couldn't, but the Lord still is in control. We, we can't leave God out because all it takes is with one, one stroke of his hand, you know, one, one uh, word from his mouth, When Jesus was in the garden and they came to arrest him and said, "Who are you looking for?" They said, "Jesus." He says, "I'm He." They all fell down backwards, flat on their backs. All these soldiers with swords and knives that came to arrest him fell down flat on their backs. Uh, God is still in control. He's allowing things to to play out as He will. But He had His man, and He had His man Elijah that was not part of all that was going on he was separated unto the lord and so we we kind of ended that was two weeks ago because last wednesday night we had a prayer meeting but two weeks ago we kind of closed with the thought when we look at the life of elijah or anybody that that just stands out in the bible moses okay parting the red sea and leading the israelites pick pick anybody david killing goliath daniel uh and his his boldness in in the days of of the kings of babylon um we look at anyone like this, and we, we might be tempted to think they're almost like superhuman, like they're another race of people, yeah well that that was Moses, but i 'm just me, you know that was david i 'm just me, Well they would have said the same thing, and we know that there weren't the only one that was was unlike any other was Jesus Christ on this earth, amen, Son of the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, everybody else. Is a, is a descendant of Adam and a sinner by nature and can turn to the Lord and serve God, and we can turn to the Lord and serve God and believe God. And so don't, don't set them up, honor them because they're to be honored, the Bible says, but don't set them apart as saying that's unattainable for me. It is absolutely not unattainable for you and for me. Amen? God chooses the foolish things to confound the wise and the weak things and the base things to confound the things that are mighty. And so Elijah, we know it from the scriptures in the New Testament, speaking in James chapter 5, Elijah was a man of like passions, like as we are, right? Like as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain and it rained not on the earth for the space of three years and six months. He was a man of like passions. He had temptations. He had fatigue. He had hunger. He had you know, disappointments, he had all the things that we had, physical limitations, all the things that we have, and yet God used him in a mighty way. So what was some of the what were some of the things that contributed to his strength? Because he did have strength. It was a spiritual strength, a spiritual might that we can walk in as well. There's a couple of things we're gonna look at tonight, three things that we're gonna specifically look at about I guess you would say the source of his strength. And by by the way, that's a, it's the same things that are available to all of us. It's not like, oh, he came from Israel. He came from Gilead. He, he was this, he was that. I could never do that. It's it's not that. The, the, when we read this one scripture, and this is the main scripture for tonight, it, in 1 Kings seventeen one, Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, so here's this wicked king, he thinks he's just getting away with it. He's just doing whatever he wants to do. Him and Jezebel are just uh, satisfying all of their worldly type of ambitions and, and sensual things. And it all seems to be going so well for them. And Elijah steps on the scene and he says to the king, As the Lord God of Israel liveth. So we're going to stop right there. There's one thing that it seems very simple but to everybody else it might have seemed like jehovah was dead his, his prophets have been killed his his uh, altars have been taken down and destroyed uh his cuz you know later on in chapter 18 when when elijah's going to call down the fire from heaven he's got to repair that altar right that's been left in shambles or maybe even maybe even uh, broken up on intentionally to all around it may have seemed this God of Israel is, is not living. He is not alive. He's, he's out of the picture. Uh, he, he went away. He, he's gotten old and tired. I don't know what, you know, he's out, of the, he's out of the picture now. He's not relevant. He's not part of anything that we're doing. And, you know, the Bible talks, I forget which Isaiah or Jeremiah talks about, where the people of God cast, cast the Lord behind their back. We're supposed to have him right in full view. And at times, we can, as a nation, I would say we've cast, not every person in America, but as a nation, I think we've cast the Lord behind our backs. And so it's it's for him to say, as the Lord God of Israel lives, the Lord God there is actually Jehovah. And so he's saying, uh, this God still lives, okay? Ahab, you need to know it. You need to know it, and these people need to know it. And if we're going to be strong in the Lord, we need to be confident of that. I know in our doctrine we believe it. In our minds, certainly God lives. But we need to be very um, aware of that. When you turn on the TV and you look at the news and you look at the uh, social media, whatever, it, it's almost as though God has not, you know, is not in the picture at all. And so for, for when Elijah says to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, you know, Job says that I know that my Redeemer lives and that I will stand before him. He, he'll, come, he'll stand on the earth and I'll, my eyes will see him for myself. Now, this is, this is when he, all of his children had died this is when all of his cattle and camels and all of his livestock had been taken away. His, his health had been taken from him. And he was just left uh, empty. He said, naked, I came out of my mother's womb. Naked, I'm, I'm returned to the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He still knew that the Lord lived. And it makes all the difference. When he said to his friends that were counseling him, uh, trying to counsel him, they weren't good counselors. But he says, I know that my Redeemer lives, and I'm going to stand before him one day. It makes a difference when we know that. The Bible tells us in, uh, Jesus said, because I live, ye shall live also. Jesus said that to his disciples in John. It says in Hebrews that he ever lives to make intercession for us. He cares about you. He knows what you're going through. He ever lives one of his heavenly ministries of the Lord that he has now. He's not going to die on a cross anymore. He's already done that and risen again in power. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And the Bible says he ever lives to make intercession for the saints and for, for us. And so, he, But he lives to do that. Amen. So think about it just for a moment about Jesus. The death on the cross would have been bitter and painful. But he lives. Amen. The the spear that poked him in the side would have been painful, but he lives. The the grave that in the tomb that he was in, and the, the rock that sealed it up nice and dark and cold was seemed like the end, but he lives today. Men and devils did their worst, but he lives. He lives right now and he lives to intercede for us. And so when the Lord says in Revelation chapter 1, John hears him say, I am he that liveth and was dead. That's me. Jesus saying, John, it's me. I'm he that liveth. And he's saying it to all of us. And when we can hear that by faith, when God says to you and you know in your heart of hearts, I am he that liveth, that he lives, then we're going to also hear him say, you don't need to be afraid. I'm living. I've got it under control. I've got you under control. I've got your life under control. This planet is like it's just sitting in the palm of my hand. I'm letting it play out the way I desire to. He's going to bring it to an end, into a glorious future for those that know him. But we hear him say, we hear him say, I am he that liveth. We also hear him say, be strong. He told Daniel, be strong, yea, be strong. That's what Gabriel said to him. Uh, when, when daniel was feeling weak he saw some of these end times visions and of the antichrist and it literally made him sick it was like he had no strength when he saw the the blasphemy and and all of that antichrist was going to do he got to see it and it made him sick he literally had no strength left up in him and gabriel comes along and says be strong yea, be strong Because there's one coming after him that's got an everlasting kingdom and an everlasting dominion. And so Elijah knew the Lord lived. He didn't know it in theory. He didn't know it in doctrine. He knew it because he knew the Lord. He knew it by personal experience. Amen. As the Lord God of Israel liveth. This is another key part to how he was used so mightily by the Lord. Right here. Before whom I stand. As the Lord lives before whom I stand. What's the point? What's the big deal? Well, Ahab wasn't standing before the Lord. I mean, the Lord was near him physically. He's omnipresent, but he didn't stand in the presence of God. He didn't stand uh, at attention, so to speak, like a soldier would or a servant who's waiting on his master. And that's really Elijah's The picture here of Elijah, as the Lord God liveth, before whom I stand. I'm standing in His presence right now. Wherever He was, traveling in the wilderness by a brook, where He's going to get water, and ravens are going to bring Him food. Wherever He was, He knew He was in the presence of God. David knew the same thing. Whither shall I go from Thy presence? Right. He knew He was standing in the presence of the Lord. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. Yeah, I kind of believe there's a God up there somewhere. That's not the same thing. I say, no, I know him. He lives. He's in my heart. He's in this church tonight. When I go off and I'm around a bunch of heathen or, or I'm at work or I'm at school or wherever I am or in a dangerous situation or a lonely situation or wherever, I'm still in the presence of God. And you're still in the presence of the Lord if you know him. So he's standing in the presence of a king, Ahab, But he's more conscious of God's presence that he's standing in God's presence. And you'll see that with godly men and women in the Bible. I think about Isaiah in chapter 6, you know, where he lived in the days of the kings of Judah, Isaiah did, of, of Hezekiah, Uzziah, Jotham, and Ahaz. Okay, Ahaz. He knew all of those kings personally. And he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Now, I always think about that. He had been in the presence of kings, but look, I saw the Lord. It makes a difference, amen, before whom I stand. And so Elijah was very conscious, conscious of the fact that God was with him, amen, that God was with him and he was in his presence. And I think that's something, as we look at the life of Elijah, God would have us to relate it, always bring it back to our own lives. It's not a history lesson. It's a spiritual lesson where God wants to teach us. Amen? And it is history as well, but but God wants to teach us. And it's important for us to cultivate the, I guess you would say, a recognition or a knowledge that God is with us. If you're running off to do something sinful, God's with you. You need to watch it, right? That'll be a holy, healthy fear of God This is how, like, like Joseph in the Old Testament, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He always brought the Lord into the picture. And that is a wonderful trait or habit or lesson that we learn. And so knowing that God is with us and we're constantly in his presence is going to affect how we live our lives. It's going to affect what we say, what we look at, what we think about, what we do, what we don't do, knowing that, and so when uh, in the New Testament in Luke chapter one, you know the account where Zacharias, the priest, John the Baptist's father, right, uh, his wife Elizabeth had been barren—I forgot for how long—but they were past the age of childbearing, similar to Abraham and and uh, Sarah, and so he's in the temple. As the priest and Gabriel comes, the angel comes and says, You're going to have a son. Your wife Elizabeth's going to bear you a son. And he's going to be the, the forerunner to, to the Messiah. He's going to have a, a wonderful ministry. And, and Zechariah doubts. He was a godly man, but he doubted right here. And he says, How shall these things be? You know, my wife's barren. How's it going to be? You know what Gabriel's answer was? He says, I'm Gabriel, that stands in the presence of God. That was the only answer he gave. He didn't say, well, this is how it's all going to work out. Don't you worry. He says, no, I'm Gabriel, and that stands in the presence of God. Don't you think I know what I'm talking about? Don't you think this God that sent me to tell you this can do it? I'm Gabriel that stands in the presence of God. And this is how Elijah was, standing before a king, but he's standing in the presence of one much greater than a king. Amen? We need to understand that and be aware of that. And so he knew he was called by God. He knew he was to be the messenger and the servant of the Lord at this time. And he, had a lot, he knew that. And so it makes And the last thing, the last thing that we're going to look at just just in these three points of the source of his strength. He says that the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand. Uh, He says that his name, Elijah, the name Elijah means that Jehovah is my God. Jehovah is my God. That's what Elijah means. Okay, and. There's another possible that I was reading. There's another possible translation to that name. It, it it really doesn't matter in one sense. Jehovah is my God, but there's another translation that Jehovah is my strength. Jehovah is my strength. Either way, he was his God. But if God is our strength, the Bible says, then what what can our enemies do against us? If, against us. If God is truly the strength of our lives. David says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength. Okay? He talks about him being his strength. Are are you going to have enemies come against you? Absolutely. The devil wants to have you. He desires to have you. He comes to buffet your life. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But we have one greater. The Lord Jehovah is our strength. Does your body get tired? And you get worn out and you think i can't do this another day another week another month another year uh yes but the lord is our strength and so even in his name whether it be elijah uh, jehovah is my god or jehovah is my strength strength either way uh he knew that that god was strengthening him god was empowering him finally my brethren says in ephesians be strong in the lord and in the power of his might. I want to read a couple of verses here. Quickly, if you want to just turn with me to Psalm 27. These sound sound like simple things, right? The Lord lives. Well, we all know he lives. Uh, I stand in his presence. Well, we know he's always with us. But really, really live in that way, Okay. He's my strength. Okay, I know God strengthens me, but he strengthens us. We need to rely upon that. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? It's a rhetorical question because nobody, the answer, we know what the answer is. If the Lord is my light and my salvation and the Lord is the strength of my life, who am I going to be afraid of? Who out there? prowling around this my enemy is greater than the strength of my life jehovah nobody there's not, there's none greater psalm 3 verse 6 just real quickly i will not be afraid of 10 thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about and so knowing that the lord is our strength does away with this fear isaiah says In the Lord have I righteousness and strength. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In Psalm 118, verse 14, David says, The Lord is my strength and my song and has become my salvation. We need to know these things, not in our doctrinal statement and not because a preacher told us. We need to know it. I need to walk with God being the strength of my life. I need to appropriate his strength for my life. Amen. I need to know that he's with me and know it when I'm facing some, something that's too great for me. We face a lot of things that are too great for us. Mentally, that is too, you know, too, too confusing for us. You know, decisions we have to make. We don't know the right choice to make. All kinds of things. We face uh, opposition that's greater than we are, but none of it is greater than our God. We need to rely upon him. We need to trust in him. Amen? We face sicknesses in our body. We face all kinds of things that are beyond us. I Can't handle it. You know, people think you just whip it. I'll just whip this cancer. Yeah, you go you'll try to do it. We can't do it. We need the Lord. Amen? We need the Lord to do it. And so we're studying this man, as I said, who's of light passions, and, and yet he was used so mightily by God. We can be used by the Lord as well. He may want to use you to do some, something totally different. Maybe there's not a need to call down fire from heaven again. But here's this one man, and he was used to basically turn a nation back to God. We're going to study this more in the weeks ahead. Turn a nation. Remember, we've described the idolatry. You could imagine what if you were a true follower of God, how scary... It would have been to walk around in Israel at that time you were definitely the one like if you were a, a, not a Nazi in the days of the Nazis in Germany you know and you're hiding out and you're trying to uh, you're scared and you say what's gonna happen what's gonna happen he's living in the midst of this but God raised up this man who stood against all this idolatry and, and faced the king and he, he faced turned them from idolatry we're going to read it in a few weeks whenever we get there. All 850 of those sanctioned priests of both Baal, his prophets, and the priests of the groves. The groves were up in the, the, the under the green trees where they would go and worship and do all their idolatry. 850 of those priests in the land, every one of them was going to be killed in a moment. He's, he's going to turn the whole nation back to the Lord. And so... Uh, what was what was what was it that he that enabled him to do this and i would simply say it was faith it was faith we turn to hebrews 11 and we read by faith enoch by faith noah and we we preached about noah just a few weeks ago by faith he prepared an ark to the saving of his house right and by it he became the heir of righteousness which is by faith by faith all the elders obtained a good report a good testimony it's just simply trust in the Lord, believing God, taking him at his word. No matter what we see around us, I'm going to believe God. I need to know him. I need to hear his voice. I need to know his word. So I'm, I'm being led by the Lord and led by his spirit. But when we're in his presence and know we're in his presence and we're hearing from God, I'm going to believe God no matter what I see around me. Amen. And so what we have to do, there's a word you might hear sometimes, we have to exercise our faith, don't we? We're to exercise ourselves to godliness. But I do believe we have to exercise our faith in, in the sense of, of having the faith in God and then putting it to the test. Well, God says such and such, and you claim a promise from the Lord. And to step out, always think about giving financially. I don't have enough to give right now. but well, God says to give, and he'll, he'll provide for us. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He says that. He promises. He promises that, uh, that we're to be a cheerful giver, and if we give to the things of God, our Father who sees in secret will reward us openly. So you know what? I, I believe that because I believe the Bible, but I haven't really done it yet. We need to exercise our faith. That's how we grow. He says I'll work with I'll work with my disciples when they go out to preach this gospel to every creature and all, all all the different nations. I'll work with them confirming the word with signs following. I believe that. I believe every bit of the Bible. Do, you, do we need to step out? That's why we're talking about Elijah tonight. That's our only reason he stepped out you know, on the promises of the Lord. God called him to something unique. We have to agree with that. But he stepped out. He didn't know what he was going to be called to. Nehemiah didn't know he was going to be called to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. He just had a burden, and he went and prayed and fasted. God raised him up to go rebuild the wall around the whole city of Jerusalem so they'd be protected. Just serve the Lord and believe him. We have to exercise that faith. James puts it in the sense of a living faith or a dead faith. He goes, You show me, you say you have faith? Okay, I do too. You show me your faith without your works. You just sit in your chair and tell me all the things you believe God can do, and you live your life sitting in that chair, never stepping out on any of the promises of God. I'm going to show you my faith by my works. Not doing works to go to heaven, he's doing works because he's born again, because he's saved, because he really knows this God, and he knows he lives, and he stands in his presence. Amen and the Lord is his strength. And so we're going to step out. And so we come here to church and we're ministered to and we're fed and we're we get milk and then we get stronger meat and we're fed and we're built up but it's all for a purpose. It's not so that we can name the 12 disciples, it's so that we can go out and live this life. Amen. So we can go out and live this life and step upon step out upon the promises of God. Amen. I want to look at a, a scripture real quick in Acts. Turn to Acts chapter 14. This is just an example. You could, you could turn to so many uh, different places in the Bible. This is just the one I thought of as I was studying and praying. Acts 14, look at verse 7. So, so Paul and, uh, and those with him, they're traveling to Derby and Lystra and Lyconium in this area. And so Acts 14, 7. And there they preach the gospel. They're always going to preach the gospel, okay? Not preaching prosperity message or anything like that. They're preaching the gospel. The death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And that he lives. The resurrection. They always preach that. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. You think that's pretty hopeless? I mean, he, he never had walked. He was born lame. And his whole life... He had been lame, similar to the one that was laying outside the temple. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. Paul's so so the man's listening to Paul preach the gospel. So somewhere in that gospel, it must be talking about the power of God and the power of God to do the impossible and the power of God to heal. And this man, Paul just perceives that man's believing what I'm saying. God's touching his heart. That man believes that he can be healed. That not even had a conversation yet. Paul perceived he had faith to be healed, and he had been, never had walked in his life. Didn't even know what that was like. And so Paul said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. What is that? To, to me, that's exercising your faith. He had the faith to be healed. But he didn't walk until he stood up and walked. You understand what I'm saying? It, it sounds so simple, but nothing's happened so far other than the man's believing. He's coming to some faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who he would never heard of before. By the power of the Holy Ghost, he's coming under conviction. He's coming. His eyes are being opened spiritually. He believes in this Jesus that's risen that Paul preaches and that he's the son of God. And Paul says, that man's cripple over there. He's got faith to be healed, but he wasn't healed yet. He hadn't, still hadn't walked yet. You have to exercise your faith in the sense of Peter stepped out of the boat and walked on water. He didn't just believe he could walk on, on water and sat still in the boat. He believed he could walk on water, and he got out and walked on water. Elijah knew that the Lord was with him. He prayed it wouldn't rain. It didn't rain for three and a half years at his word. My mouth is there. Is going to be a drought as a as a God was going to use it to to humble Israel to cause them to turn back to Himself. He wanted to use it for that. Amen. So he says, "Stand up." Paul says to the man who he knew had perceived had faith to be healed, "Stand upright on thy feet." So now there's a command: stand on your feet. And he leaped and walked. There was one that Jesus was in the temple I, f- I forgot it where it was or maybe a synagogue then there was a man there with a withered hand remember that like his hand's all dried up he couldn't use it and and Jesus tells him in front of everybody on the sabbath day that's sitting there watching Jesus says stretch forth now your hand well, how can he it's dried up he can't stretch forth his hand you understand what I'm saying but he, by faith he responded to the Lord Jesus he could have said yeah I think he can heal me and sat right there he said no stretch forth your hand and he stretches forth his hand and it was healed we have, this is exercising our faith this is not some uh positive thinking new age uh, name it claim it or anything like that this is biblical stepping out of the boat and stepping out in faith elijah was a man of like passions i'm going to say that so often it's from james chapter 5 He was a man of like passions, yet he prayed it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain. He turned a nation back to God. It it didn't last forever. I mean, they would stray later again. But at that moment, when God used him to call down the fire from heaven, and those prophets of Baal were killed, then shortly after he sends the rain, uh, God did turn that nation back to himself. And he used one old rough, tough probably a shepherd or some type of blue-collar worker from Gilead to turn him around. We have to believe it. I'm just going to close with that. And, D, you can come. So, so, y'all, we need to exercise our faith. I guess if I close with one thing, it would be that we know he lives. We know he's, he's our strength. We need to stand and live with a conscious uh, awareness of God's presence. But we also need to step out on what he shows us, what he shows us. It's not enough to say, I believe this, 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 and this. Are we living it out? Are we walking it out? I can't tell you what to do. Walk in obedience to the, to the Word of God and walk in obedience to what He is showing you personally to do, no matter how impossible it seems. He's a God of the impossible, amen? He does that. Y'all stand with me tonight. Y'all, the altars are open.